Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, my loves. Welcome back to another episode of Unfollowing Mum. How are we all? I am going to be talking to you today about baiting. Now, this is something that I've been talking about a lot on social media recently that's had some really interesting responses. And it's something that has come up so frequently, both with clients and across my communities, because it is a really common narcissistic trait. And one of the things that I really noticed when I talked about this on my Instagram was the amount of people that said, oh my goodness, I've never thought of it that way, but this is exactly, exactly what my parent or my in-law or my sibling does. This is just them to a T. Now, when we think about baiting, we often think about a piece of bait on the end of that wiggly wobbly fishing line. (laughs) Can you tell I've been with my kids? It's on the end of that fishing line is that piece of bait and that little worm wiggling around, ready to dunk in the water, ready to hook themselves a big juicy fish so that you can have some dinner. If you put that in terms of a narcissistic or toxic parent, then you are the fish. They are the one doing the fishing and the bait are the little comments that they keep laying out that they know will just rile you enough. But quite often what I've discovered is that a lot of these people are absolute masterminds at making these comments subtle enough that no one else picks up on them or if they do, everybody else just kind of lets it slide. So what ends up happening is that when they do manage to hook you and you either become really emotional or you absolutely explode to everyone else, oh, it looks like such an overreaction and it feeds into their narrative and their gaslighting of you're so dramatic, you're so sensitive, oh, you're just being silly and you end up feeling and looking like the bad guy. Does that sound familiar? I'm willing to bet that it probably does. And that's because it's a common theme for toxic parents, especially narcissistic parents who behave in a way that paints you as the bad guy, that sets you up for the fall, and all of it's engineered so neatly. 
One of the examples that I gave when I was talking about this was how quite often these things can be dressed up as just a political discussion or just a discussion about religion, but actually they know what they're saying goes directly against your values or your beliefs. And you know that if you challenge them, it's going to become a big argument. So this conversation, despite it being quite easy for you as a family to just say, hey, you know what, we've, we've all got very different views here, let's just not discuss it, or if we are going to discuss it let's keep it respectful it's done deliberately so that if you were to say anything then you're just being unfair you're just being intolerant you're not being respectful and these topics these really big topics are something that I had personal experience of my mum frequently throwing out but always in front of the children because that would be the one thing that myself and my husband would say don't bring up your political views or be homophobic or be racist in front of the children please we will tell you if you say anything in front of us and we don't deem it acceptable but definitely do not want to hear it in front of the children because they're not old enough to be able to challenge you on it and that's not fair that's not their responsibility and I remember one of the last times that we'd all sat down for dinner together there had been a refugee boat that had come across the channel and it had capsized as so many of them do and lots of people had lost their lives it's a really tragic situation and it's never going to be something that I think is necessarily sit down at dinner with children and have a chit chat about conversation perhaps it is and that's absolutely fine if that works for you but to be mocking it and celebrating it was absolutely bonkers to me and my husband and we said that's not appropriate mum I don't want to hear that I'm not interested in that and of course she knew that if she just kept making these subtle comments that she would be able to get a reaction out of us of saying that's not appropriate stop which should just be setting a boundary but then it started again with little bits so even though we'd set that boundary even though we'd said that's not appropriate stop there was then the continuation of making extra little comments or rerouting the conversation back to it or just making subtle veiled remarks that were obviously to do with that particular topic that no one else would necessarily pick up on other than myself and my husband and obviously we've got the three kids there so they're not picking up on much and they were tiny at the time but it still felt really inappropriate and what she was doing was leading up to one of us saying that's not going to fly knock it off or you can leave or anything along those lines or having some kind of big blow up where she could then declare which she did oh you're so sensitive you're so dramatic you're trying to stop me from being able to have my opinion which is not the case at all you're entitled to your toxic racist horrible opinions just not in my presence unchallenged that's the difference and she was aware that that was our point of view so while she could hold those views that was fine I'm not in her brain, I can't stop her. She wasn't going to say those views in front of me and my children and go unchallenged and certainly not in front of the kids and she knew that so she would keep on with that line of prodding just to get a rise. I actually had someone leave a really interesting comment on one of my posts about baiting and she'd said, how about this recent event? I tried to call my mum for her birthday and I kept getting the busy signal on the phone or she just didn't answer the call. I'm out of town so I can't go over and check on her. She's elderly and that's what we used to do when we couldn't get her to answer the phone but it became a bit of a tool to manipulate us. So I tried to call several times with no answer. 
The next day I call her and she immediately attacked me for forgetting her birthday. I tell her I tried to call many times and she says that her phone never rang all day, which was accusing me of lying. I tell her that's too bad because I can prove it by showing her my phone and how many times I tried to call. She changed the subject and then proceeded to talk about how many other people she talked to throughout the day which proves that she lied and purposefully didn't answer my calls in order to make me feel guilty. It does zero good to point it out and confront her, so I just use grey rock and I feel very nonchalant comments during the conversation. She tells me I'm boring and then hangs up. Now, this was a classic example, I think, of baiting, in not necessarily in not answering the phone throughout the day. Yes, that was creating a problem. But in getting on the phone call and immediately saying, you didn't call me all day. And then when the person says, well, actually, (laughs) I kept trying, but you're so popular, you know, it was just busy all day. And then I tried and I just didn't get through to you being told, well, my phone never rang. But the baiting actually starts in this one big time when they're talking about all the people that they spoke to on the phone and how they kept going on and changing. She said that she changed the subject just to talk about how many people she talked to throughout the day, which proves that she was lying. Her phone was absolutely fine and she was speaking to people throughout the day. So she must have known that her daughter would get dial tones if she was on the phone. That's just logical. But to keep taking the conversation back to that, that's an example of baiting. And what she was hoping for was that her daughter would either become deeply distressed and upset, as she had done before, or she would start to feel really guilty and feel unhappy. So when she was met with that grey rock, which for those of you that don't know, grey rocking is a method that you can use with narcissistic parents, where you essentially think about a grey rock. It's so boring. It's so dull. There's nothing on it. It is just a grey rock. That is why the method is called grey rocking because you just keep everything on a very basic surface level. Any kind of attempt to rile you, just keep it on a very basic level. Don't rise to it. It's just general conversation and nothing that they do actually manages to get to you just redivert the conversation away from whatever bait they're trying to lay out. And that was when because this wasn't working, she got you're very boring, and then hung up. I mean, that really speaks volumes as to the fact that she wasn't trying to have a conversation with her daughter. She wasn't trying to speak to her or be friendly with her. She was trying to bait the conversation into an argument so that she could make her feel bad, so that she could make her feel unhappy. And that's a really common theme that we see with baiting. When someone is not getting the rise that they are aiming for, all of a sudden, oh, you're boring. All of a sudden, it becomes problematic and quite often you will see that really ramped up into some really nasty comments, almost as if it's a bit frantic that they're not getting the rise that they're looking for. Though what I will say is when this is in public, it continues to stay really subtle because if you are perceived as the victim at any point then that becomes a problem for baiting. That becomes a problem for making you look like the bad guy. The whole purpose to baiting is to get a rise out of you. And if someone does get a rise out of you when they are baiting you, and you do take that bait, you bite, and then other people look at it and go, well, is it any wonder? I mean, you just kept going and going and going at your daughter. Like, of course she was going to snap. Well, that then defeats the object, doesn't it? They no longer, as the person who is trying to get a rise, get that gratification. 
after all, not only does it serve to give them a bit of a buzz because they've got that control over you, they've managed to get a rise out of you, but also they have to be able to come off looking like the injured party so that it feeds into the delusion that you are the bad guy, that you are the troublemaker, the problem one, especially in toxic family units where you have someone who is a scapegoat and then you might have a golden child and some invisible children who don't really get a look in either way or you might have different dynamics. But in order to continue the myth that you are the problem as a scapegoat, as the one who challenges the status quo, as the one who the parent sees as the root of all problems, you have to be able to take the bait and look like the bad guy. Because if you're taking the bait and they're looking like the one who picked at you enough, well, that's problematic. And often these overt behaviours are hidden within toxic family dynamics. Anybody on the outside would see it as bullying, would see it as baiting, would be able to call it out. But when you have a golden child and an enabling parent sat at the dinner table with you and one parent is picking, 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 they're not going to step forward and say, hey, look, you know, you're really bullying so-and-so, this is unfair. Of course, they're going to give you a rise. They're going to stick with that narrative that they're given because they don't want to be on the chopping block. And that's how we know that these toxic families work by control, by fear, and by placing people in specific roles that they feel they can't step out of, even if subconsciously. Another comment that I had from somebody said, my mum does this. Last time I stayed with her, she basically just said, you're really fat. Years ago, I would have cried, but I saw what she was doing. So I just laughed and her face was a picture. I laughed and I said, I do look in the mirror. They really hate it when they don't get the reaction. Now, this was a really good example of a toxic parent baiting when you were just on your own. So it wasn't for anybody's effect. Now that you're really fat is anybody would pull that up and be like, wow, that's not an acceptable thing to say to another person as an insult. Like, whoa, that is rude. Pump the hate breaks. Like that is not acceptable. Anybody would pull that up. But of course, when you're on your own and they're just looking for a reaction to satisfy that need for drama, well, then there's no need to put a filter on it. There's no need to try and make it subtle to make you look like the bad guy. So that is another example of baiting, hoping that there would be tears so that they could tell you're so sensitive. I'm just looking out for you. I just want you to be healthy. When actually in reality, they're just being cruel in order to get the reaction. Interestingly, the person followed up with, I haven't seen them since then. I'm currently no contact. And it's in these moments when we make the changes and we stop rising to the baiting and we start to see these behaviours for what they are, that people either put very firm boundaries in where they have low contact or they end up cutting contact completely. And if I had a penny for every person who started as low contact and eventually became no contact because the boundary just was not respected and things just got worse because they didn't have that constant supply of drama. They didn't have that narcissistic supply where they were getting that upset and where they were getting that feeding from you. I would be a very rich lady. We'd all be in therapy for free. I thought this comment was really interesting as well. It's when social media gets involved. So this person commented, I've been no contact with my mother for about three years. On my birthday, 
this year, she made a Facebook post about me, harping on about how she doesn't know why we don't speak, insinuating that I'm playing mind games, we've not spoken in three years. A big sob story. Very specific details in there that would only make sense to me and my partner, yet neither of us have her on our social media. It was framed in a way that made it look like she was talking to her Facebook friends, but I knew that it was aimed at me. The classic Facebook post. I mean, I don't know many people who haven't been a recipient of the Facebook post about how awful their adult child is, that they don't speak to them, that it's such an injury, that they're mind game playing. And that's a really big one, even though you've been quite firm in you know, we're not having contact. That's not a mind game. It is simply that we don't have contact. And that is as far as it goes. And it can have been that way for a long time. And yet, or the the sharing of pictures of, of grandchildren and that kind of thing. And I miss my grandbabies, even though they have absolutely no interest whatsoever in their grandbabies if they're around them. And those kind of things that are really quite subtle. Everybody else feels sorry for them. They get all this flooding of attention but you know that it's specifically aimed at you because there'll be just a little bit of wording in there that specifically reminds you of things that no one else would pick up on and that's baiting it's hoping for some kind of reaction that further installs you as the bad guy someone else had put it's like describing every dinner time with my parents ever including in front of my husband I'm glad he wasn't there to witness it um, otherwise, I'm glad he was there to witness it. Otherwise, people wouldn't believe me. I'm so glad I'm no longer in contact with them. Now, someone wrote, thank you for explaining what I've always felt. I would often say that nine out of 10 things would happen and I would explode on the 10th. But it helps me realise that I wasn't imagining things and it was always just a build-up. And this is the problem with baiting, especially when it is quite insidious and it's so subtle and it just creeps along. And it can be throughout a time period of a couple of days or a few weeks or months or years. And it just slowly builds up to the point where you can't take it anymore and you end up exploding. And then, as you say, you are the bad guy. And so often, because of that gaslighting that goes on in between of, you might say, oh, don't say that, that's not nice, if somebody comments on your weight. Or you might look a bit sad and then they go, oh, here we go, she's getting all sad, get a grip, you're being so sensitive. And you think oh, maybe I do just need to get a grip. Maybe I am just being overly sensitive. Or you'll make an attempt to stand up for yourself and set a boundary and you'll be told you're being dramatic. And you've had all of these moments in between this big blow up that you've been baited and baited and baited for and you've gaslighted yourself, they've gaslighted you. And then eventually when you do explode, you're the problem. And you might think, oh, but this, I suppose it's quite an an isolated incident and it's not one of those things that kind of drags on for ages. But somebody commented, this is just one of my mother's specialities. As a child, it was so hideous, but decades later, it still hurts. I feel terrible for anyone experiencing it, especially children. And that's so common because as, as children, we do not have the power in that relationship and we do not have the 
autonomy when we have a toxic parent to call that out and to have a difference of opinion and it's so easy to label a child as the problem it's so easy to say oh that child's got behavioral issues that child's just a big problem oh that child's so difficult after all I've done for you the classics and to paint yourself as this wonderful parent when actually you're pushing 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 and eventually that child throws a tantrum or that child well yes it is throwing a tantrum isn't it you know you think of the teenager who ends up launching something across the room because they're so frustrated or ends up self-harming because they just cannot cope anymore with the way that you are behaving towards them and then it's oh they've got mental health problems oh they've got behavioral problems when actually in reality they didn't have any of these problems if you weren't bullying them and picking at them and I've spoken to so many people who were labeled problematic who were told they had behavioral problems they had some kind of mental illness when absolutely they didn't they just needed a supportive parent who loved them and who treated them with kindness and respect And I just want to clarify here, and it should go without clarification, but quite often it does not. This is not to say that if you have a child who does have behavioural problems, that you are an abusive parent. And this is not to imply that those behavioural problems or that any kind of disability does not exist. Far from it. All of those things absolutely exist and they are valid. What I'm saying here is that toxic parents will weaponise those things and label their children with those things because of their baiting and because of their bullying when they get those reactions. I remember as a child in between being told I was just being dramatic or I was just sensitive that my mum would frequently talk about how I was struggling with my mental health because my dad left or I was struggling with my mental health because I didn't like school and actually I remember and I think I've said this on the podcast before I was going to a school that I really didn't like and I cried every single morning going to that school I could not get a hold on my emotions I was hysterical every day I hated it with a fiery passion and part of why I hated it is because my mum had built up the other secondary school that I was meant to be going to so much and then my little primary school shut down so I had to have I think it was two interim years or it might have been a year and a half um, at this school that I hated But really what the problem was, was that I didn't have that solid foundation and I didn't have that support. And my mum, whilst pretending to be supportive and pretending to help, was compounding the issue all the time and was making it harder all the time. But it was always put down to, oh, she's got behavioural problems or, oh, she needs mental health help. You know, she's really struggling and it's her dad's fault. It was anything to kind of weaponize it. So if you are listening to this, please do not mistake what I am saying for suggesting that those uh, disabilities or mental health problems or behavioural problems are in any way, shape or form lesser or non-existent. That is not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that a toxic and abusive parent will try and weaponize those which is unfair all round because it detracts from people who do need help, but also hides the children who are being abused and who are struggling when in reality they wouldn't be having those mental health problems and they wouldn't be being labelled if they did have the support from the parent that they needed. 
And I think as well, it's worth noting here for anybody listening that that doesn't necessarily change as you get older. I've spoken so many times about how enmeshed I was with my mum. And I remember her being heavily involved when I had my first child and constantly telling me. In fact, there was an example of her sitting across from me when the health visitor came to visit and I just had my first son. And she was sitting there and she was saying, I just don't think that you're yourself. And I I was actually having a pretty good day. I was feeling okay. I think I was on about day five, six, something like that. Wasn't feeling too bad. You get your baby blues and you feel a little bit down at times, but I wasn't feeling too bad. I was feeling quite confident. And she kept making remarks about how, I don't think you're yourself. I don't think you're right. And in the end, I ended up bursting into tears. And the health visitor said, oh, I think maybe we need to really keep an eye on those baby, those baby blues, yeah? I think you might, you might need to just think about reaching out for some help if you need it. And she really painted me as somebody who was struggling when I wasn't. And what that did was encourage me to think that I was struggling. And interestingly, further on down the line, I think I was struggling from a level of postnatal depression but I felt fine in that initial phase. And it was only her insistent prodding and poking that really made me doubt myself and feel so caged and backed into a corner that I ended up just bursting into tears. But there was no acknowledgement from outside. She just looked like a concerned granny. But actually what she was, was creating the drama and baiting the situation to get me to break. Okay, look, so we've spent 25 minutes talking about what baiting is, what it looks like, and I can give you loads of other examples. If you want to see more examples online, then you can go to my at unfollowing mum page and find some of my baiting content, or you can find it on TikTok. But the main question is, what do we do about it? How do we negate it? Well, we've talked briefly about grey rocking, which is one of the most powerful things that you can do. It is staying very neutral. It is answering with mm-hmm or oh yeah, and then changing the subject or all right, okay, and moving on. And it's not engaging, flatly refusing to engage in any gossiping, any nastiness, any drama. It's not rising to it. It's if you get that really nasty comment, just going, ah. Oh and moving on. Not even challenging it, there is nothing. It is just a big old sheet of grey rock. And in principle, that sounds kind of easy to do. You're like, oh, okay, I can do that. I can kind of just, you know, blank it out and keep everything neutral, keep it all surface level. But it's much more difficult to do when someone is prodding at you and keeping going at you. Another example of things that you can do depending on your dynamic is to challenge the behaviour directly when you start to feel baited saying, hey, I don't think that's acceptable behaviour, that's not kind and I won't tolerate that and setting those boundaries. And if you haven't come across her, Melissa Urban has written a brilliant book specifically about boundaries that I think is really helpful. And she has what's called a traffic light system. So she has a green boundary, which is kind of gently acknowledging that perhaps this wasn't the intention of the person who's upset you, but that that's not acceptable behavior, that that was quite hurtful and moving on. You don't even have to give a consequence with a green boundary. You can literally just say, oh, that wasn't very nice, mum. That hurt me. Please don't say that again. I know you probably didn't mean to, but let's move on. Now, I think the majority of us listening to this who've related to any of this conversation about baiting will be like, yeah, 
that's not going to go well. That will just be met with stop being so sensitive, stop being dramatic, don't be ridiculous. And unfortunately, that's when you ramp it up to a yellow boundary level and you can go in at any of these stages. But if you feel that that's necessary, you can move up to a yellow level boundary and you simply say, I've already said that that's really upsetting for me. I'm not prepared to tolerate that kind of behavior. If you continue to do that, I will leave. And then you're giving a consequence. Finally, if that is not respected, then it goes to a red level where you feel that your own security, your own safety is really not being respected. In which case you would say, I am not prepared to tolerate that kind of behavior. I've asked you to stop. I am now going to leave. And then you follow through on the consequence. Now, I think that that method of boundary setting with using a traffic light system is really, really helpful, especially if you are someone who has never been able to set boundaries very well, who's always struggled with it or who's new to setting boundaries, or if you have a particularly difficult parent who absolutely does not take that kind of thing well. So I really love that from Melissa Urban. I think it is such a useful tool and one that enables you to kind of build up. But the thing that I would say is when you set that consequence, you have to follow through with it. So if you have said, if you continue to bait me whilst I'm at the dinner table, I'm just going to get up and leave. You have to get up and leave and you have to be okay with the consequences from that. So thinking through what that consequence will be is really important. Okay, my loves, that is all we have got time for this week. Next week, I am going to be doing a special on Mother's Day. Boo, hiss, yay. I don't know how you might feel about that. Mother's Day might be a complicated day for you. It might be a day that you absolutely love and you've reframed it for yourself. Listen out for that and let me know what you think. I'll speak to you again soon, guys. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.